Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Chris Burroughs, Registered Manager and Hospital Director of Pine Hill Hospital. Pine Hill Hospital is a 37-bed hospital which provides care and treatment for adults for consultations, diagnostics, and surgery. Chris, hello. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the show today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, Leadership. and Leader is one of those uh, words I think that we all, if you had to really think about it, what does it mean? I think we... We all recognize what a good leader looks like. Um, we also maybe recognize what a bad leader looks like. But for me, uh, a leader is somebody who should really be someone who's, who's there to uh, lead a team, front a team, um, you provide guidance and support, yeah, a bit of counsel, a um, bit of management, um, and direction to team. And probably in, a, in these times, probably quite a difficult time when people are looking for direction and a bit of stability. I think that's probably what I see a, a good leader to be. And what is your personal leadership style? Um, I think my leadership style, I would like to think, and this is my, my own personal view, my, my own team might have a different view, but I think my leadership style is one of, um, I think you work together. I think um, I believe in uh, serving my team and making sure the team that I'm there for them. Um, to make sure that you know, I don't ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Um, but um, I think you know, to very much work alongside to explain why we're doing things, what we need to do, where we're going, um, and, and trying really to to get the, the people you work with to understand what your vision is, to work towards um, that that point you need to get to. Um, you don't always have the power to get there often, but you, you find a way on a daily basis, and, that, and that's where I lead my team to to get us to where we need to go. Now let's go back to an earlier point in your career. Um, when you were first starting out uh, in your career as a young man, was there a particular uh, individual who shaped the way that you lead today? Um, I will probably reflect on, um, I'm, as of the time, I, I, I worked in healthcare and uh, I think leadership uh, when I first started 20 years ago was very much um, a command and control sort of structure, a, a model. Um, I probably learned more from uh, someone who probably didn't uh, lead particularly well uh, in terms of having a negative impact on me. Uh, in terms of determining, I didn't want to be that person, I guess. And um, I think, to be honest, in my working life, it's been very hard to come along and, and recognize great leaders. Um, I think great leaders sometimes are there and they move on to greater things, as it were. But I probably learned more from that. From a, a poor leadership style and uh, management style, then uh, it's be good. And what would you describe as a bad a leader? I think I think a bad leader. I think uh, for me, humility and leadership is very, very important. I think, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially in, you know, today's whatever sector you work in, you know, the days of um, knowing what's going on and then some certainty are, are, are long gone. So I think. I think you, we, we have to try things as leaders and I think we get things wrong. I think when we get things wrong, it's very, very important that we we hold a hand up and, and accept responsibility and accountability for that. But also, sometimes it's right to apologize and, you know, reset and uh, let's move on again. And I think um, I think humility is important. I think um, 
I think being able to provide a, a feeling of stability and clarity when you don't feel that way is important as well. I think you know, poor leaders, you know, when you're certainly not in a good place, that 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 feeling of discontent and um, instability can can spread very quickly. Um, and people, you know, people worry, and I think uh, you know, bad leaders mm-hmm. sometimes don't help uh, with how their people feel. I think it's important to help get your teams and people feeling that you're know, in a good place and they're moving forward to a good place. Now, of course, you bring up an interesting point about your staff's uh, morale uh, and well-being. Of course, you work in in uh, industry that uh, can be stressful at times for the people providing uh, these services, and uh, it must take uh, quite a bit of mental toll on uh, your people. How do you handle this on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think... Most of our people in a, in a profession, um, you know, they, they do what they do and they come in and do what they do every day because they really believe in what they do and, and they generally want to provide a good service, uh, a safe safe service to the people we look after. Um, you know, it, it's tough sometimes, and I think you know, sometimes you, you can't always you can't always help them in a, in a practical means, whatever their role is, and you can't be everything to all people. But sometimes, you know, being for me about being visible. Uh, being accessible, if, if people are having a hard day, it's you know, coming alongside. And I think my experience has always been it, it, it's often the small things uh, you think don't protect, may not make a big impact, um, often have the biggest impact on people. And it may be you know, making people a cup of tea or you know, making sure they, they can go and have a, a break if a difficult situation's occurred or you're pulling together and, and having a, a chat with them and sharing who you are. And I think... If, you know, I don't think if you know, people talk about you know, if we pay people more or if we give them this or we give people staff this and they'll be happy. I think I think for me it's got to be it's about genuine uh, you're coming alongside staff and being uh, being authentic. Authenticity is very very important. Um, and if you you say thank you or you want to support staff or come alongside them that they feel like you you mean it. Um, you, you know, if you could help them, you would. And you know, it, it's important just to difficult time to be there and, and just say sometimes mm-hmm. say thank you thank you for everything you've done today now going off into a slightly uh, different vein if i was to press you to identify the greatest leader living or dead who would that be oh, that's a good question isn't it <laughs> um i mean everybody talks about uh, so winston churchill is a, a, a mm-hmm. great leader and i think possibly he, he's probably the gentleman i would think about the most in terms of he, because he wasn't he wasn't necessarily the best. He he failed in life a number of times at you know, general general things he's done and attempted. He wasn't the best of anything, but actually in that time, uh, in that moment in time, he was a person who I think also brought his um, insecurities and possibly his, uh, some of his uh, personal uh, failures to to bear and provide uh, just again some 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 certainty at most difficult time, uh, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. But you know, I think. When times are hard, people are looking for people who can just be that that guiding light and that that sense of um, yeah, I guess say just to bring some stability, but but also not being afraid to maybe you know, show some of the weaknesses that you have as an individual. So it's understanding yeah. that a leader can be fallible, but can still be effective. I think absolutely. I think you know, the, the day of the authoritative leader who is perceived to know everything, from my perspective, is over. I think it. it Certainly, if you look at you know, politically uh, what we've been through in the last few years as a nation, it's um, 
and with the financial breakdown, it, it's probably been clear that the so-called leaders don't always necessarily have all of the answers. Um, and I think you know, fallibility is, is we are all fallible. We are all individuals. I think, I think, and that's a, a thing to remember for start for people who may want to, you know, may want to take on leadership positions, uh, whatever that is, in whatever sector, whatever job, or whatever level of responsibilities. Actually, you know, we, we will get things wrong, and that's okay. It's what you learn from those experiences. Now you. You turn that around into a positive. I think I think that's really important nowadays. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very, very quickly drawing to its close. But before you go, could you please let us know what the next twelve months have in store for Pine Hill Hospital? Um, so, Pine Hill Hospital um, as part of a Ramsey Healthcare Group, we we're in a good place. Um, we demand for our services is is, in, is increasing. We're we're looking to develop our site to um, really get ready for the next ten years. Um, Healthcare has changed a lot. Um, types of pathways, people now will come in and have an operation and go home on the same day. And um, really, what I'm looking at is, is getting our, our site ready for the next the next challenge. And that is, you know, how we how we move people from you know staying in hospital for two days to actually getting ready to go home on the same day. And some of that might be uh, doing some building work, but um, some is about getting again getting the team in place and you know to know where we're going and so we can provide the best service. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope you come back on the program at some point in the near future. Chris, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Chris Burroughs, Registered Manager and Hospital Director of Pine Hill Hospital. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool a place called uh, uh, Egbert in in, uh, in Liverpool many many years ago 1962 I think that was so I didn't and, um, yes I, I didn't really feel it at the time it was lucky to be playing I guess one or two injuries um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports that was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time mm. being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him, and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach 
he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it peters i think probably well i was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players i did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of england and west ham and martin peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as martin's concerned i think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people 
and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn song, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, and my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could... Uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I. At that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be and I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very 
I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's—I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in you know, the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, it did but make then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and, uh, and Stoke 
and of course into England fans who um, I think probably it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that, struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think 
that, that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and uh, dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries.
members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.